When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Cobras and Fire, featuring special guest, CEO, and co-founder of LabelCoin, Mark Miller. Mark and Bach will get into what LabelCoin is, crowdfunding, a little esports talk, and more. Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and I'd like to welcome to the program Mark Miller from LabelCoin. And actually, I didn't know exactly how you wanted to introduce yourself. You have a bunch of stuff going on. Brave Enough is still something you're involved in, yes? Yeah, yeah, it is, absolutely. So, yeah, I came from the background of being an artist for 10 years and doing that whole grind, uh, you know, going from the small venue house shows. I don't know if I just kind of go in here a little bit, Baco, if that's all right. Yeah, um, well, yeah, let me... Yeah, either way, so... <laughs> I, I have one kind of early question here for you. Yeah. Because we are going to talk a lot about the music business, something that we get into on, on our show quite a bit. But to me with music, the, the great thing is that it, it connects with people. It's all about that mm. passion and connection between the artist and the, the audience and stuff and, and, and bringing that together on some level. So while we are talking about business, and there is a business side to it, of course, Without that, there is nothing. So why don't you give uh, give us all? Because I think a lot of people are hearing about hearing the name Mark Miller for the first time. Uh, explain kind of what got you into music. What was your passion? What do you, how did you get started? All that, and then anything in your background. Just give us catch us up. Yeah, yeah, awesome, Bakla. I love that. So yeah, so I was an artist for ten years. So first five of that, you know, starting out doing small venues and house shows and doing that that grind, working part time at a recording studio. Then I met my wife, and she told me on her honeymoon that she wanted to quit her job and join me in music full-time. Wow. And so I was like, yeah, that's awesome, and <laughs> we need a new business plan. <laughs> so uh, that led us kind of into figuring out the college market and playing universities and, and jumping into that space. And you know, and we, we learned that space. Uh, it was hard going. It's, it's kind of closed off. It's kind of hard to figure out what's going on there. But by the, within five years of touring eight to 10 months a year, we finally hit the point where we're earning like, you know, $120,000 a year. And we're like, Hey, this is working. Like yeah. we're, we're making a living. We're able to, you know, buy a home in Nashville and have some savings and record our albums and stuff. And 
Um, but then, you know, what's, what's crazy, Baco, and you could probably relate to this. I don't know in, in a lot of your listeners, but you take out $40,000 of expenses from that year. So mm-hmm. we're making 80 K right. And then you split that between the two of us working full time well, really more than full time. That's $40,000 a year. Right. Right. And uh, in 10 years, 10 years into our career. And at that point we're, you know, officially in the top 2% of our career of our industry, you know? And, um, so we got off the road, we had our second child, um, and decided to, to help other people who had much higher ceilings do what we did. Um, you know, and, and avoid hopefully the, all the pitfalls, mistakes and things that we had to learn the whole sure. hard way. And, and so, uh, started brave enough, as you mentioned, um, represent around 50 different artists and speakers. Now we, we became the 2019 college agency of the year right before all the, the COVID stuff hit us. Um, and so that's still running and my team's doing that. But a, a year ago, um, uh, I met actually two years ago, I met my co-founder of, of LabelCoin, which we'll, we'll get to Chad, who he was a wall street guy. Right. And uh, he was there during 2008 as an investment baker when Wall Street crashed. So fast forward to now, and he's like, he sees what's happening. And he's living in Nashville. And he's like, this looks a whole lot like Wall Street when everybody lost their jobs and trying to pick their lives back up mm-hmm. together. So he started a nonprofit called uh, Hope 20 to help musicians get off, uh, get back on their feet. And that's how we met because he didn't know much about the music industry. He, he's a financial guru. But um, but he shared with me this idea of securitizing music and bringing the future income of of musicians forward, and that's how uh, we met. I'm like, hey, have you considered doing this with crypto and really focusing on the song element? So that's kind of where we began with the journey of label coin, which brings me up to what I'm doing now. So that's the, the real brief history of, of my my 17 years plus in the in the music industry. Well, let's go a little so, further back. Uh, first of all, yeah. <laughs> what was what was your touring act called? Oh man! So I started out as so. My name is Mark Miller. There are literally seven thousand Mark. I was Miller worried I wasn't pronouncing that right. By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can pronounce every one. If you have a cooler name, a cooler way to pronounce it, let me know. Mark um, Miller. But yeah, <laughs> there we go. Uh, so I went by the other Mark Miller. Uh, so that nice. was my initial artist name, and then uh, my wife and I. Once we started touring, we're like, hey, we need a new name because now it's two of us on stage. It doesn't make sense to be the other Mark Miller. So we, we called ourselves So Long Solo. Mm, okay. Um, so that was that, was that, you know, and um, yeah, just, just worked our tails off. What but kind of music are we talking here? Kind of like folk pop. Oh, that's going to go over in, great on this pop. show. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love all the genres, you know, love, love the good old, good old rock. So. Well, what was it that yeah. got you into music as a, I assume you started getting into music pretty early on in life as a child, like most musicians. Uh, you, you know, I, yeah, it wasn't really that big of an appeal to me, actually. My mom tried to teach me guitar when I was like 10 or 11. Well, that's never going like, to work. I'm like, why does anybody want to learn guitar? This is, this is stupid. And then, uh, <laughs> then you know, then I, I met somebody when I, when I was 12. They're like, hey, it'd be great if we had someone like kind of in our group who played guitar, could just kind of, you know, do songs and stuff in, in the friend group. I'm like, oh, I like to learn guitar. Sure. So that's kind of <laughs> how it started. And uh, it went from there. I, you know, I studied it in college and just kind of right. kept going. When, yeah. I, when I was seven, I got into Kiss, and I told my parents hey. I, I wanted to play guitar, and they were actually thrilled, like, oh, wow, he's, he's into music. So they got me an acoustic guitar, like, when I was eight or nine years old, and I, I didn't use this language, of course, but I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? I, <laughs> I wanted an electric guitar. You know, I don't want this. Yeah, it is for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. If I had only could have gone back and slap myself with a little bit of the wisdom, but, you know, you, you're, you're, we all have our own path. 
Oh man, I love it. I wanted to be like in a punk rock band, but I just didn't honestly have the money to buy all the pedals for the electric. So I just like, oh, so I stayed at acoustic. It's it was strictly a monetary decision. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, uh, all right. So you're kind of touring around the country and doing this stuff. You have your second kid. Uh, catch me up here, then. Like, what is going on with Label Coin? Because the 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 calling card is basically you're the Robin Hood of the music industry, trying to help yeah. raise money for musicians. How does LabelCoin do that? Yeah, well, you know, I, I mentioned that, you know, at our point when we were making what we were, you know, 120 plus, you know, and we started the agency, we never hit more than 3,000 followers, but we started working with a lot of people that came off of American Idol or The Voice, okay. you know, even like like one of our people, Addison Egan, you know, she was second on The Voice. A lot of amazing people, some with millions of monthly listeners even. And, and realizing, like, as we got into it, how much they were having the same challenges that we were, okay. even at that level. And um, well, a lot of them working second jobs, you know, trying to make ends meet, trying to still find consistency. And um, and so always trying to figure out how do we help, you know, change this. And, and so, like, our mission at LabelCoin is to stamp out artistic poverty. You know, it's to try to, you know, even, like, when I was an artist, if you were like, hey, you're a full-time musician, this is great. You're, you're doing it, man. And I always felt a little bit like a fraud, to be honest, because like I'm like, well, yeah, I guess technically, but like I'm only 20 percent of the time, maybe they're only seeing the the outer thing. You know what I mean? Uh, I, yeah, I've had very similar conversations where people were shocked, like people I went to high school with to like they, they only see me on Facebook now and then they, they catch up with me and then they're, they're surprised that I have a job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> even, even now that I've shifted to the podcast, there's there's people that think this is my income. You know what I mean? But anyway, carry on. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it was our income. You know, at this point, we, was, we were thankful to be able to be at that point. Yep. But still, only 20% was actually making music and performing it, right? The other 80% was like all the business and the marketing and the accounting and <laughs> the connections, yeah. the conferences, you know, all that stuff. And so it's like, how do we help musicians get to do what they were made to do? Create and perform music and not have to do all this other stuff. Like, I'm not sure who all you've encountered, Baka. I know there's been amazing people, but like generally what I see is that the people that make it are the ones that are really good at business. Hmm. And, and so we want to be able to free up more musicians to be able to do what they were made to do and have a, a make a living from it. And so what, what uh, label Queens doing, as you mentioned, uh, being the, the Robin Hood for music is essentially a stock exchange for songs. So we're, we're making songs investable to the average fan. And so what we're doing is we're able to take what's happening right now in the song catalog world, which is only available to like, you know, either the biggest acts or institutional dollars, right? People paying like $500 million to buy up a song catalog. Right. We've covered that quite a bit. So you're, yeah, elaborate. I think you're going somewhere here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're doing is we're making that accessible to, uh, for any artist from, from your smaller indie act up to the major labels. But where fans can be the ones that invest in those songs, like so how indie, in like uh, how indie is it actually profitable? Like, uh, yeah, you know, I I have, <laughs> I make yeah. about uh, I don't know f- between forty cents and two dollars a month on streaming revenues from my band Jesus Chrysler. Is label yeah. point something that could actually help me, or am I just too far? Hey, by the way, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Being, but I'm just trying to set like a parameter for anybody listening, like what they can. You yeah. Know, that's that's a great name, by the way. I, I applaud you for that. Thank name. you very much. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, essentially, what we're looking at, uh, if you if you look at a ten year valuation, is what we're kind of trying to scout this thing. So, what would this song make for approximately ten years? Of course, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. 
um, and you know various things that come into it, like your touring schedule, your touring history, um, who your team is, what other projects you've been part of, et cetera, et cetera, right? But um, if I would just make it really simple, really basic, if you're making like at least 150,000 streams a year on a song on mm-hmm. average, then you can probably value that song at at least $20,000. Okay, so that would be kind of the floor. Yeah, and right. so I mean, you could you could do less than that. Like honestly, if you wanted to, like kind of our floor is like twenty five hundred. If you're just brand new, if there's people that want to put stuff in, of course, you the artist actually gets to choose what are you going to list your song for. You know, that's your decision. Okay. But both both the artist and the fan will see our valuation. Um, but thinking of it more like, hey, this is like fantasy football, right? Like we all think that Patrick Mahomes is going to get four touchdowns next Sunday, but who really knows? You know what could happen. Um, but it's that estimate. But then the, the fan sees one other important thing, and that's they see, okay, if I buy the song shares, we call them notes. So if I buy them at this price, how many spins on Spotify or YouTube or Apple Music, et cetera, would it, cost, would it take for me to earn like a 10% return every year or 15%, whatever you're trying to earn? Oh, and to give okay. people that realistic sense of, okay, this is so – so do I think the song can get that, right? Right. Um, so, so the it is artist like uh, oh, it, a fantasy football is a, an amazing analogy then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's taking a lot of those similar concepts and trying to make you know expectations that are realistic, but that also give people a way to to support their bands, but to really treat this as a, as an investable asset where they actually can earn money. You know, a, a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of the people that respond to the episodes that we do, they always talk about different ways they try to support the artist outside of streaming because, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty much a dead horse that streaming is just jack shit when it comes to that stuff. But there is money there, and yeah. and so basically, uh, explain to me like if, let's just use an easy number just for the math. I sure. I, I put a hundred dollars into Label Coin on artist A. And how does that help them directly? And then how do I actually recoup money? Am I now taking a cut of their streaming revenue? Yeah. So for the artist, so let's take a, um, I guess, back it up to the artist side real quick. So if they're going to list their song for $20,000, let's say they want to sell 50% of those digital streaming royalties. That's all they're selling is the digital streaming royalty specifically. Okay. Not, not, and you know, it comes out of the master, but they still hold the master so they can still do their sync and, and have ownership. But so if they're going to sell 50% of those digital streaming royalties, that'd be $10,000 that they're listing those, those rights for. So the artist is going to earn 98% of that. So $9,800, we take a $200 fee um, and they're going to get that right up front. Now, what's really cool is that within all of it's done within the LabelCoin app. So um, what, people can also resell those song shares on our app. Okay. So whenever notes uh, are bought or sold, there's a small transaction fee. Right now, our model is around $0.40. Cents, and it really adds up. We actually get 40% of that fee, but the artist gets 40% of that fee as well. And so um, that's a huge uh, you know, continual passive income that comes in from the people trading and selling those songs. So now, we do cap the artist at 50% because we want them to always be incentivized to push the song yeah, <laughs> and not be over leveraged. But yeah. So now we're kind of getting so, into a kind of a stock market analogy. I mean, it, it, yeah. it is done exactly the same as that. What about like with you, it's called label coin to me that, that, that sounds cryptocurrency ish. Is there any relation there? And, and like, I mean, I, cause I honestly don't know. Uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't, <laughs> is there any concern with the the news of, of all that stuff crashing right now to to invest in something like this is it tied in it at all 
Yeah, it actually is. It's actually built on on the blockchain Web three. Um, but for the, the what's great about it is the average user, both the artist and uh, the fan or the investor, they don't have to know anything about crypto to do it. Um, so it, it's all kind of done under the surface. Now there are like future more NFT uh, aspects to it um, and a coin, but it, it's all very simple and very integrated. But I mean, you brought up a great question. We all know about what's been happening in the crypto space. And so, I, you know, I'm really grateful, Baca, that we have such a, an amazing team. Like we, we started consulting with a, a blockchain consulting firm in Rewired One about six months ago. And they helped, uh, they, they foresaw this scenario and they helped us set it up in a way that we're not, um, our song values aren't uh, volatile based on the market. Uh, like a lot of the things that you're seeing now are people are trying to sell, the few people that are doing some kind of royalties are doing it through uh, the NFT as a mechanism. Which means that it's um, it's limited for one. There's only so many issued, period. And right. so that's you know, if you issue 100 NFTs, there can never be more than 100 fans invested in that song, right? Um, so we, but um, and so there's that that cap on it. But also, a lot of times people have to pay for that in a cryptocurrency like ETH. And and so what happens when ETH is four thousand dollars? You know, that's expensive, and the artist makes a lot more money. But when ETH is like right now, like it is around a thousand dollars, then all of a sudden the artist is getting a whole lot less. Hmm. Um, and so because we actually, we actually tie the value of the notes to the, the local currency. So like in the U S that's the U S dollar, um, of course. And so, um, so the song value always maintains the same It's actually more pegged to like, what is it bringing in from royalties and just the, the demand from fans. Okay. Now you, you used uh, you brought up NFTs, which we've made fun of on this show. Um, <laughs> That's fair. There's, there's a lot to make fun of. Oh yeah, they, they, it's to me one of the dumbest things out there. Now I, I get the the money involved and that there's there's some value there, but I just uh, I I could screen cap an NFT and have my own for free. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't really found anybody that explained that in a way that uh, made sense to me. Uh, Would well, you want to give it a shot? Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, I'm I'm personally more of I'm I'm probably in your boat more, Baco. Like, I think it needs to have utility, which means it does something other than just sit there and look pretty and hope somebody else wants it later. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, so like, um, so all of what we're doing with the notes, those are, I mean, the techno jargon. It, it's on the blockchain as as a smart contract, but we're just issuing the notes. It's not an NFT. Well, and NFT and non fungible token. I mean, there's only one of that as of that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, no one else can own that exact same thing, and it's a proof of ownership. Now, where where that comes cool, like in our second phase, we're gonna have those abilities to mint NFTs, and what ours would do, like for example, you can tie perks to it. So say that you want to sell an NFT that gives you a backstage pass to all your shows, you know, um, or or why not if, just sell ba- something that's a backstage pass to all your shows though. Um, well, yeah. Well, you can only sell it once, right? And then it's gone. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Um, right. And so, and how is this, that good? I guess. I, what, what's the virtue there? Yeah. So, if that person decides, hey, I want to sell this to somebody else, or that band blows up, and now that backstage pass is worth a lot more money, you can sell it. But because of the way the NFT is is built in the smart contract, you can have a royalty automatically set up. So, if you want to say, hey, the artist gets twenty five percent of that secondary sale you can so it actually keeps creating money for the artist and not just that one time upfront sale okay um I, i'm still not getting it but uh <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all good but another aspect of it like that that we're gonna be able to do like say you want to reward a fan that that buys a hundred of your notes of your songs mm-hmm. and so you want to issue them an nft that gives them a 20 percent discount at your merch table so it's just something that's it just sounds that, like a that, coupon that, i got from chili's 
You know, it's like yeah, I signed I mean, up for the birthday less, club yeah. and they sent me an email. You know what I mean? Yeah, the difference is you just can't like cheat on it. You know, and be like, well, hey, I photocopied this. Here you go. <laughs> plus, I'm gonna need a pretty big discount yeah. to go to Chili's. Yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no comment. Uh, all right, <laughs> I don't know which way you're going there. Uh, all right, well, well, fair enough. Uh, you, 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 one of the thing talking points on the on the uh, the, the the whole bio that you have there. Uh, and by the way, yeah. I don't know if this is complimentary or not, but uh, I read it and I wasn't sure what to, I was getting in for tonight. So far, I'm very pleasantly surprised. But it, it reads very much like a shark take Shark Tank pitch. So uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wanted to mention that. Yeah, like I said, not sure if it's a shot or hey, not. I'll take it. Hey, whatever it is, I, I'm okay with that. That works for me. Uh, crowdfunding. Uh, look, you, you kind of talked about the downfall, the pitfalls of crowdfund crowdfunding. I know there was uh, God, was it Music Cares or something like that that had the big problem with? Uh, there was one of the big ones uh, a couple uh, of years oh, ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to remember which one that was. That's right. But yeah, moving that's forward, they, they what, what, are you, people, yeah. what, what are you actually getting at here with the the, the kind of your issues with crowdfunding? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's been an amazing asset that people have needed because there's nothing else filling that space, right? Of how the artist mm-hmm. survives. I've personally done, I think, three crowdfunding campaigns, but it's really humbling, you know, as an artist, and you have to, to beg your fans really awkwardly and send texts and, yeah. and emails and be like, hey, please support me. And then, like, the next album, you're back. Hey, please support me. <laughs> next album. Yeah. And and the effort it takes to actually, like, give something of worth and feel like you're giving them something of value. Like, I mean, I don't I don't know about your listeners. I know that, that one of the things I did, it, which is totally stupid in, in hindsight, I say that one of the rewards, I think like 50 bucks or something, was I'd make you a handmade ceramic mug. <laughs> and, and I ended up having to make like 60 of these mugs. It took me like nice. all summer long. I think I made like 375 an hour. And it, were you living in Nashville at the time? Uh, I was actually in Kansas City back then. That was okay, like, well, yeah, still, right before uh, I moved to Nashville. Pretty, the, the summers are still warm in Kansas City, and you're making yeah. uh, mugs. <laughs> you know, I, had a good time. I just I just listened to a lot of NPR at the ceramic studio and and made mugs. That's basically what I did all summer. <laughs> but you know, it's just like we, we call it, uh, you know, digital panhandling or fan handling. You know, trying to figure out. Uh, yeah. what promises and so the, the fulfillment is so strenuous for an artist and they really they just want to be creating music even like with patreon which is a, is a cool thing for people that want to be able to have a platform to give yeah but you're then you're making handmade handwritten postcards or you know trying to keep up with fans all the time and again it's taking you away from actually doing what you're made to do hey. and so we wanted to create a model for like okay how do we make it so you maybe only have to crowdfund once and then it's self-sustaining and that's really what label point is meant to do and that actually is, is is a great point to make there. I mean, no, uh, I'll, I'll let you know that we had our own kind of like crowdfunder for our podcast uh, that we called Buy Us a Beer. And basically what we would do is for $5, someone could uh, uh, pick what beer we were going to drink on that episode, back when we still drank beer on the episodes. Uh, that, nice. that, we, that ran into its own pitfalls, um, but it really did. You, you mentioned, like, you, you kind of feel like you're, 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 you're like, what'd you call it, fan handling? I love that. Term. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's kind of how it felt. It was like, God, I just, I, 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 are we giving them enough with the entertaining banter about what this beer tastes like and stuff like that? Now, we have had people that have asked us to bring it back, <laughs> so I may have undervalued it, but it, it, to me it felt like, a, and I think that maybe that's the, the, the artist musician side of me that goes, I hate doing this. Um, and yeah, cause I know yeah. I, I'll, right now, one of the big talking points is, is artists 
kind of feeling pressured to do a lot of social media kind of TikTok nonsense as opposed to focus on the art. And, and, and I think you're 100% spot on. Musicians, you know, artists in general, that's what they want to do is focus on the art. They love to make money and they love to be popular and, and, and have a sustainable income. So I, I do like that aspect of what you're pitching here. Yeah, thank you. We're excited about it, you know, <laughs> knowing what it feels like to be that, in that position for many years. Well, so how long is this? When did, when did this start then? How are things going? Uh, they're going fantastic. It uh, started last summer. Um, and so, yeah, we're just, just over a little over a year in. So, I mean, there's a lot of things on the back end, of course, and talking with the distributors, building up our, you know, all the paper. Oh, there's a lot that goes into doing this the right way. Of course. But um, we're looking at probably an, an end of this year release is what we're on, on track for right now. So, um, but we are, I mean, we're currently signing up more artists to continue to give feedback on the features and kind of get early access. Um, and uh, about to raise our next funding round. So, but uh, but the team is, is incredible, the support in the industry. We just wrapped up being at 8 to IM here in New York and speaking mm-hmm. there, um, introducing LabelCoin to, you know, a lot of the distributors and the, the indie labels, um, which was the f- feedback was, was fantastic, which we're really thankful for. And, and you know, now I'm, I'm calling you now from New York again and stayed here for the NFT NYC conference. So it's probably your favorite spot, Baca. I can probably get you in if you want to come learn more about <laughs> hey, NFTs. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I love, I absolutely love New York City. Uh, so yeah, any, anything you can do to drag me and my wife out there, uh, I'm on board, even if it's an yeah. NFT conference, you know what I mean? Hey. Next year, let's let's shoot for it. All right, good, yeah. good, good enough, man. <laughs> shoot me an invite. Um, going back to your musician days, man. Um, what what? Uh, it's, uh, talking to musicians, there's always kind of funny, kind of fuck ups that we do. What are the biggest mistakes you've made? Oh shoot, so many, so many. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is is um, having the wrong people on your team. Hmm. Uh, you know, especially when you don't have a lot of funding, is kind of take help from wherever you can. You know, kind of get it. But um, I think one thing that's really important is to, to not let anybody help you unless they're proficient in what they're doing. Proficiency being measured by, like, would people pay them well to do this? <laughs> you know? Uh, we see but a lot of... Isn't sometimes. that difficult? Because, like, uh, God, you know, I one of, yeah. one, of, one of my biggest talking points, and maybe this will inspire you, is that, like, yeah. is is this idea that, like, just go out there and do shows... Then that that's always the only advice anybody really gives you who are, who have made success. Whether they write a book, they're Gene Simmons, whoever. It's just like just go yeah. out there, work hard, and try this. And then also be babysat by Lionel Richie. You know, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> it just uh, all it happened to be best. F- Your mom happened to have banged David Geffen. Things of that nature. They always leave these key, you know, connections. So, like right, in right. my experience, yeah, I would have loved to have worked with like you know managers or booking agents that knew what the fuck they were doing. But the ones that knew what they were doing were like, well, we don't even know who you are, and how do you get to that level and all, all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know if that. Yeah. That, there's. I don't really have a question there. That's kind of a talking point. Yeah, no, it's it's a great point, and sometimes it means things get delayed or, or you have to keep looking. But like sometimes I feel like there's a lot that that. Um, of harm that can be done by like, like say, let's yeah, say you need a violin on an, on an, on a track and you're like, well, I know this one person does violin, you know, it's one of my friends and they'll do it for free. And then it's like, but now that track is, you know, that, that violin's kind of garbage <laughs> or, or not giving you like what you need or it's totally not the wrong vibe, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, or a drummer that's, you know, that's they're missing beats here and there and stuff like that. And so it's like, so there, there's that aspect. Um, 
that I think just just having a high standard, and that kind of goes into like kind of one of the other things, which I wish I'd learned way earlier in my career. Um, my wife's more of a perfectionist and an Enneagram one for people that like the Enneagram. Um, and she likes to have things, you know, right and perfect. And so um, where I'm just kind of like, I just want to learn the next thing and keep moving on, you know? And so I had to learn this trait from her. And, and this, this trait was um, an amateur practices until they get it right, but professional practices until they can't get it wrong. Hmm. I love that. And, and that idea that, you know, you don't just that you, you practice it till, you know, the muscle memory, the muscles know what to do. <laughs> so if someone walks into the back of that venue and something crazy's happening, and it doesn't matter if your mind's distracted, you're still doing the right thing because mm. you've practiced so many times you can't get it wrong. And so taking that kind of aspect to all of your work, that's just like, Hey, dedication to excellence and showing up to work every day and, and knowing what those right things to work on are. I think those are some of the big keys. Uh, I've gotten far enough in life that uh, when it comes to the that that what you just said, I would actually say <laughs> for me, <laughs> it depends on what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Am I going to record this one time? I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get it until I got it right. But if I actually have to stand on stage and play this multiple times. I do want to get it to where I can't get it wrong and, and that kind of yeah. stuff. Like you, you talked about the muscle memory. I think most musicians that are listening would, would understand that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But... What about some life hacks? Uh, it says life hacks for touring musicians. What do you got for me there? Oh, dude, uh, traveling. So if, if, you're, if you're flying Southwest, for sure, 100%, two free bags. Um, and I, by the, I'm going to pause you for one second because it, already out of the gate, Absolutely love this. This is specific. This isn't like try to travel cheap, be frugal. No, you're like go fly, fly south. Anyway, carry on. I, I interrupted. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. So yeah, the Southwest is amazing. Um, and you know, we used to travel with all our all our gear, and I think the wife wife and I had four to six bags with everything. Um, and and so yeah, that's definitely one of the one of the quick travel hacks. Um, yeah, there, man, there's there's so so many things. Shoot, sorry, I'm I'm going blank. I don't know where to start. So, well, how about anything along? Because gas is so expensive right now, and that's oh, really yeah. killing touring. What about that? Yeah, man, um, plan well. <laughs> you know, um, try to plan your tours in advance so that you can route well. Yeah, so you're not scrambling to fill stuff in the last minute. Um, and then have a plan. Um, you know, have a plan for for how you're going to market that that's prepared a month in advance so that, that you just have it set out. So, you know, you, when you wake up on Tuesday, you're not like, Hey, what do I do today? It's like, okay, here are the three important things I know I need to do today. And I need, know I need to post on or have it scheduled or, you know, reach out to this person, whatever that is, have that, that set up so that you're not scrambling and kind of doing it halfway. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that helps you set up, be more set up for success because it's like, you know, a, a great event is a chain. You know, it might have 10 things on that chain that need to happen. And what's crazy is that you can do nine of those 10 things amazingly. But if one of those chains is broken, the whole thing can fall apart. And so, so preparation and, and planning and strategy. And that goes along, you know, with your practical tips for, you know, putting out your music. You know, I, I tell all the artists we work with, I'm like, hey, if you don't have a plan for putting out this music, don't record it yet. Like, like don't, don't release it or don't release it until you have a plan. Um, and you're ready to put money or at least strategy and time and equity and time, your sweat equity. And how are you going to get this music out there so it's heard and not just sitting with, you know, 10 monthly listeners? I, I saw a comment on social media I'd like to get your, your perspective on. And 
It was basically, I went to a show, I enjoyed the band, and I went to their merch table. They only had one shirt, It was, but it was $30. They weren't $30 good. And yeah. <laughs> um, they had no CDs, so they lost the money there. And in the back of mm. my head is like, I get what you're saying there, but first of all, CDs is kind of a dying format as it is. There aren't a lot of us out there that are looking to go get a seat. That doesn't mean nobody is. The point being yeah. that there is still... A significant investment. I don't know the band he was talking about because he didn't mention them. And but I you look, we we basically did three CD uh, like hard copy releases that we never made any money on, and we got you know mm. look they they were pretty cheap. I mean we we technically per purchase made money on, but like you know we had to buy five hundred of these things and, yeah. and and sell them and stuff like that. So while they only cost us a little over $2 a pop and we sold them for $5, we never sold enough to cover the cost of of any of those. And no, we knew that going in. That was a likely scenario. The idea is that we want something out there, not so yeah. much for the money-making thing because at the time we were trying to figure out how do we get to the next level. But now we're kind of, that yeah. was 20 years ago, uh, Mark. Now we're dealing with a different environment now. I think this guy's a little out of line. Like, look, just buy the fucking $30 t-shirt if you think you're, you're helping him <laughs> out. It's, it's kind of what I wanted to say to him, but I, I you know, I, I, I chose not yeah. to chime in this one time. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that's great. And, and I mean, my first thought is, hey, buy a song. You know, that's kind of where, <laughs> where we see people coming in with label coin. It's like, hey, if you like that song you heard on stage, you can own part of that. You know, here's the QR code. Go for it. Well, you so know, you have like uh, like a, a bands can like advertise at their merch table. Yeah. Like download the yeah. label coin app and get into this yeah. kind of stuff. Totally. Yep. Is that is that simple? People just pay with their credit card or their debit card, um, and and they get ownership in your song. And they start earning royalties. So, um, and then of course those people are going to market your song. So I mean that's one thing. But um, to your point, I think I think being creative, spending time to be innovative and to study marketing. You know, there's a great book by a guy named Donald Miller called Building the Building Your Story Brand. Uh, any relation? Um, what's that? Any relation? No, no, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> my, my family's great, but they're all like farmers back like yeah. eight generations as far as ah, I know. That explains so. <laughs> the folk music. Yeah, you know, that's, that's what we got. You know, I grew up in Kansas City. That's, that's, that's our home. Uh, a little bit of jazz, but it doesn't work here. Um, so, I think... You know, being creative. Like I remember, there's a band I worked with that they were great at selling merch, and they just like, for example, they they renamed their T-shirts into um, torso covers, hmm. <laughs> and and just like just that little twist, like, hey, make sure you grab a torso cover at the back, and, and it's like, <laughs> what what is that? I got to check this out. You know, yeah. um, that creativity. You know, like we did a thing, um, like even like with trying to gain followers at every event that was tied to our merch table, right? So. Um, we're like, hey, what if we can do something like we could spend money on Facebook ads, right? But what if we did something else? What if we actually spent money planting trees? So we did it with this group called the Eden Reforestation Project, which is really cool. And it only costs like 10 cents to plant a tree um, in a country that really needs it, like Ethiopia and Haiti. And um, and so what we told people on stage, was like, hey, um, so, hey, who would like to plant a tree tonight without going outside and getting cold? <laughs> you know, yeah. we're like, oh, yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll do that. Yeah. It's like, hey, all you have to do is pull out your cell phone. Go to our page, click like, and for every like we get, we will give you, you know, uh, we'll plant a tree for you. And and then later we say, okay, hold on to that phone because we're going to give you a contest later on. You know, you know, later on in our set, we come back and, we, and we'd be, and these would be set things put in our set that we've practiced. We know what we're going to say, we know what we're going to do. And and we'll say, okay, so you still got that phone handy? 
So go back to that page and just make a post about this this show or, or a picture. And whatever entertains me the most at the end of the show is going to get a you know a free CD or a T-shirt at our merch table back there. You know, <laughs> come back and see it. And we show off things like that, and we show our merch off on the stage that way. Nice. In a way that's not like salesy. But people would be like, oh, yeah, it's just planting that seed of you need to go back to that merch table. And then, of course, we did put a lot of time into our merch design, into mm-hmm. that table, what it looks like, that whole buying thing about – because it's all about connection. People people aren't buying something just because you know it's cool merch. Sometimes they do, but you know, sure. they're, they're buying it because they want to remember that night because they made an emotional connection with you or with somebody they were with. And they want to remember it. Went back to my opening point. That is the, the when it comes to art, you know, especially music, because it's such a it does always you see you see a, a T-shirt or you hear a song. It takes you back to the memory that it gave you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing that, you know, that's what we weren't the best singers. We were never going to be on The Voice. I mentioned we never hit more than 3000 likes or followers, you mm-hmm. know. But but we were, we were good at that part. We were good at connecting with people, creating a story cool. and making them feel special, make them the hero. You know, um, how do we how do we make their night? This is their show, their time. Um, and if we do that, then you end up being successful. And then if you actually have talent on top of it, sweet. You know, <laughs> <That's the limit. laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Hands down. We always made money on T-shirts for the 20 years we did it. Uh, we, 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 our, our move financially was to keep our T-shirt money separate. So while it was profitable, we always wanted to make sure we had money to get more inventory. Where the CDs, we just kind of built up enough money and then bought them. If you're listening right now, make sure to take note of that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, fair that's enough. Good yeah, business practice right there. Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> uh, how about this? In your uh, expert opinion, uh, what's the <laughs> safest job in the music industry? Like the one with the best job security? <laughs> oh man, CEO oh, man. with um, label coin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, I would say. Probably production. Yeah, still. Yeah, you know, it's like because if, if you're good, just gonna keep making music and putting money into it because they want to hear it out there. I would say production is the safest job. Um, but you know, things are coming back. So this is a little bit of hope from our 2014 lowest point of industry revenue. Yeah. Um, Goldman Sachs just projected that by 2030, the music industry will be 150 billion dollar industry in the in the U.S. And uh, and you know, stream is you know for for all the challenges that we've that you know you and I both went through that going from physical CD sales being awesome to you know the <laughs> absolute mm-hmm. drought. Um, but and then when streaming took over, and you know Spotify paid out I think what was it seven billion dollars this past year and like five billion the year before that and so you see those those numbers growing people learning how to monetize mm-hmm. and how to earn revenue in new ways so I actually think that the future of the music industry is really bright and um, and even for indies I think we're finding new ways for how to help the rest and and I I do believe like you know some people think of Spotify as a big bad you know beast that's destroyed us all <laughs> which you know I can see the points there. But I really think that they're behind, you know, even their mission statement is they want to make a million creators that are making a living off their off their music. Well, and, do, um, do you know anything about that? Because uh, 
you don't have to look hard to find an artist that that just points out how just you talk about the money they paid out yeah and, and those are numbers yeah. that are real and obviously the label's taking that but why is it that that it's not getting to the artist let, let me point this out yeah I am, you know, like I, I mentioned my own streaming numbers, you know, the, my own shitty little band is out there. You can you can download it and, or stream it pretty much on any service. I personally, as far as a percentage, because I own everything, there's no label, there's no in between. Uh, yeah. I, I pay $20 a year to have it out there. That's it. And, <laughs> yeah. and I get a nicer cut now. There's a, a lot less streams, so I don't get the Taylor Swift kind of stuff. You know what I mean? The, the point is, why can't the artist get something close to what I'm getting? Because I think if we got there, then I think things would balance out. Do you know much about that? You know, uh, uh, quite, uh, quite a bit more than I did a year ago, to be honest. Okay. Um, <laughs> diving in a lot a lot deeper. There's, there's definitely a lot of, I mean, with the way that royalties work, there's a lot of black box money out there. There's a lot of confusion. It's, it's going to start leveling out, becoming more transparent over the next 10 years. You know, um, and even the, the law that was passed, what, a year or two ago now, um, Music Modernization Act, there are still there are improvements that are helping with that. Okay. But a lot of artists like don't even know how to go get their money that they're owed. Um, you know, of course. <laughs> well, you talked about <laughs> being a good businessman and being an artist are two different things. Yeah, I mean, it's like you gotta you gotta register with the PRO for one. So whether that's ASCAP, BMI, CSAC in the U.S., um, and then um, make sure your songs are getting registered there. And even as a songwriter, like I I co-wrote with people, and I, I'm like, why am I not getting paid? Like this has a million streams. I should be getting something at this point for you know a, a third of the songwriting, mm. and and realizing that when they registered. The, and they put my name on there, but I have to register it myself as well from my profile with my PRO because they were on BMI. I was on ASCAP. And I was like, oh, that's why I'm not getting it. I have to register myself. <laughs> but then like that only takes care of what's happening in, like, in the U.S. So there's PROs in like all over the world and all these different countries. And, you know, like your top artist might your top fan base might be in Brazil or in, in Taiwan or, you know, right. India, any of these places. And you're not getting that money. Um, you have to go through somebody like Song Trust or someone else that's good that's going out has relationships with all those PROs that's collecting it for you, and um, same with like Satellite XM. So there's there's all these places you have to go you have to go out and find your money, right now. And and so I think that system is getting better, um, but that's why it's hard for especially for independent artists that are doing so many jobs right now. Um, you know, just trying to <laughs> stay on top mm. of it all. Like, hey, wait, I need to do what now? To get like fifty bucks from here and a hundred bucks from there, and to your point, I mean, I took down my albums because I stopped wanting to pay for them every year once we stopped sharing. And yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, at some point, maybe I should look at it that way too. I think I'm, I'm almost breaking even, but that's more. Look, I, I really just want the stuff out there for twenty dollars a year for the handful of people yeah. who still care. Uh, I, I'm not looking at making money on it, but I was more or less pointing out like the percentage I get per stream is pretty significantly higher than than what a lot of really big time artists would get. Yeah, yeah. It's still not a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think the biggest thing is just being consistent. You know, it's showing up to work every day. It's putting out releases continually, you know? So I I think artists should be putting out, you know, singles at least five times a year. And that kind of starts to build on itself and snowball. And, you know, and my hope with with what we're doing with LabelCoin is that people will be able to bring that income forward. Because, like, we we made it because we had, uh, you know, some some money that was uh, from my wife's father's inheritance. 
and then like side jobs and stuff that helped us be able to push through those first years. But not everybody, you know, we were super lucky to have that option to keep us going along with a lot of support to, you know, to make it till we actually were making a, right. a revenue that could support ourselves. But most artists don't have that option or what option do they have? And so, so by, by bringing, you know, 10 years of that streaming revenue forward to now, that's what our hope is that a lot more people will be able to invest full time into their music and to keep creating consistently and actually have a growing career. And, and to back up your point, I think if there's any lesson I learned in, in my own personal ventures, if you're not all in, there really isn't going to be this snowball thing, uh, mm. no matter how, where, where you want to go, where you're going to get to. But when it comes to music, you basically have to to lose the security blanket, man. Uh, and and yeah. that's not easy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. We have before I let you go. We have to talk about esports because as much as I talked about <laughs> N- NFT being stupid, I've always been baffled by esports. And, and, and l- let me back it up just so I can kind of sugarcoat that a little bit. People can do what they like. I don't care. Uh, but the idea of like like <laughs> this guy playing a video game makes money <laughs> like a professional athlete uh, <laughs> you could, with people viewing it. And, it. and by the way, it's happening. It exists. Get, tell me about your experience yeah. in esports this is just a fascinating area to me uh, oh yeah it, it is it is crazy Ibaka. like i you know that the top paid professional athlete um air quotes and uh, i think it's either i think it's 2020 it's either 2019 or 2020 was an esports athlete um Man. you know so it wasn't it wasn't ronaldo we can, you know? we can at least agree <laughs> that we can't call them athletes right i mean you're, you're sitting down <laughs> the entire perf- effort <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you uh, one way or the other on that one. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, come it on, Mark, drama. admit you know, it. They're not athletes. <laughs> uh, it'll definitely come back to me. So, for a disclaimer to to your listeners, I, I own an esports company called Taikai Esports. It's part of Brave Enough, so that's where Rebecca's coming at. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it, it does it gives people a chance to compete. That you know, you don't have to be at a at a high level athletically at a top one percent, but it is like or it's pretty all. incredible. People, the people that actually are good at it, it's it's mind blowing. But um, yeah, what I what I'm drawn to actually is more the intersection uh, into the VR space. Honestly, okay. We, we actually started calling it V Sports um, because it kind of actually does start to marry a little bit of athleticism and physical activity along with you know gaming skills, and so um, so that's what what we actually want to uh, on that that division. Uh, we want to see more competitions happening in global meetups, specifically in a game called Population One. So um, that's like pretty much the only video game I, I play anymore, um, which is basically Fortnite in VR. So, so Baco, if you want to grab a, a VR headset and, and join me in a squad sometime, we'll drop out of the sky together and, and go hunt down some other squads. Well, no, that does sound like fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I do enjoy playing. I'll tell you this, Mark. I, I don't know if it kite. I don't know if this quite uh, cuts it, but you're familiar with the, the, the Madden football franchise, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Uh, I, about 10 or 15 years ago, me and a few buddies, we did. The, they were doing the Madden Challenge, and they were hitting like all the NFL cities. So they came to Minneapolis here, and you could sign up and do it. Anybody could do it. And uh, I was playing my – I won my first match. And then I, I moved on to the to the next round, and the the guy that I was playing, he had two people with him that were not playing. They were not part of the tournament, and all they did was sit. Be and by the, this guy was kicking my ass, um, but every time he did something good, they'd be like, "Oh man!" 
had no, you, you didn't even know you could do that. It was just like, <laughs> it, it, I'm not gonna. T- it kind of was unnerving. I don't think I would have won the game without them. But man, I really wanted to like. I don't get it. You why know? are you? Why are you watching me? Uh, God. Yeah, that's amazing. The hype. It's the hype team. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's like a couple it's rap pipe men. Like, oh man. Yeah. You know, I think there's over 200 colleges right now that are offering scholarships to the esports team. Oh man, I wish you I know? would be going to college so, now. Back. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, there's like music to be honest, yeah. <laughs> programs, all this kind of stuff that didn't exist, like uh, a sports management. You know, if uh, that seems super fucking easy. Just yeah. get with one really rich or really big time athlete and make three <laughs> percent. Yeah, hey, it works. It works. <laughs> well, yeah, good for the people <laughs> who can do it, you know. But oh, Mark, this has been a blast. Is there anything I, I've skipped over? No, man, Baco, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, but before you go, I did want to ask you: Are you focusing? On, um, you know, because you mentioned like the $500 million that like someone like Springsteen gets, it seems like your angling is largely for like independent artists or at least a lower tier. Um, it actually makes sense for both. I mean, that's just where we came in from the beginning was, Hey, how do we help the middle class of artists, especially, but it totally makes sense for those major labels too, because even if they don't need the money, they, they have less risk up front on artists, but then it's also the fan engagement tool. Oh, right. So I, didn't even, I didn't even get there. You know, like we have. You did kind of. Like, I thought I, it, you, actually yeah. something happened because so. I wanted to follow up with you on that too. But yeah, the, the idea yeah. that like the fan now is like promoting you because they want to make money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we have like geofencing that we can turn on. So, like, if you want to say we're only going to be selling these notes at our shows, mm. um, or then you can like turn that on and off, or even for the first month. So people have to buy tickets, be at your show if they want to invest in your songs. So there's tools like that too that also you know are great for other um, you know out goals for the major labels that want to drive ticket sales to to their shows. So, hmm. um, so are... that we're we're always trying to think about how to yeah make everything easier and work better and take care of everybody. Wow, that's really cool. Um, and again, like label coin now. So right now we can't really do anything with it uh, as far as the, the the me the listeners out there. When when if I understood you right, when can we uh, expect to like uh, because this does seem like something that I might want to get into. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, artists can sign up now. Basically, it's, it's called join our waitlist mm-hmm. at labelcoin.io, um, and it kind of goes a, a little bit in tiered releases. Um, but you'll get in on the features that are being built now and be able to give that feedback. And then you'll be the first ones to get that early access um, into our beta. So so people can actually jump in now. I want to make money. So yeah. it's not about my music. I, what if, yeah. I, I want to invest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, one other thing I should have brought up, uh, Baco, because I think it's great for like for you or for influencers, people like in these different spaces is we have this thing called song mutual funds called curated collections. Mm. And so it allows people to invest, not just in put their 10 bucks in the one song, like a, but to a, put it in a, a swath of songs. Just like a mutual fund. Exactly. But what's really cool about it is it was aimed at when we built this thing, we're like, we have to look at the best interests of three people in particular of the, the artist, the fan and the music industry as a whole, which is a lot more than just like the labels and the distributors. Like there's like the music bloggers and there's the, you know, the agents and the venues and all these different people and so, um, so whoever creates these curated collections um, and puts them together earns five percent of the royalties that come in, like as their kind of their management fee. And so, like for people that have great taste in music and know what's going to hit next, um, it's a great way for them to be able to make revenue. And for mm-hmm. people, you know, that aren't as up to speed, that just want to treat it more as an investment class, 
they can invest into those mutual funds. Um, so, uh, so that's, you know, so if, if you want to have a, you know, a, a radio show, uh, a mutual fund basically of the artists that are coming on your show, you could. <laughs> so it's things like do, that. Uh, it's created. A podcast. Are you going to start bringing podcasts in where people can label coin? <laughs> they get a chunk of our ad revenue. You know, I would love to figure that out. So hey, I, I'm open. To, I'm open to discussion. You know, it's, it's all about you know creating, stamping out. Yeah, I probably just pissed off Pantheon, uh, our, our, our the people who, who would take care of us. But uh, I'm sorry, Pantheon. We'll, we'll take care of you too. We'll, we'll work you into it. <laughs> I, I look. I just want to make a little money. Um, yeah. You know, we use the term floor and ceiling earlier in this, and uh, uh, Mark, this has been more than I expected. This was so much fun. Uh, you, you do a great job pitching your product but you also are engaging in fun and uh and like i said we do a lot of uh side conversations about the music industry and some of the business stuff and boy i really think this added a lot of color to that awesome well thank you baco i really appreciate that it's been an honor to get to present what we're doing and i hope we get to work with your listeners and yeah and help make this better for everybody thank you very much mark and mark miller i got that right from the beginning knocked it out of the park uh so i'm giving to give myself a little credit for not fucking up the name mark miller but uh thank you so much for coming on the show and again all the best with everything thank you so much tired of waking up by myself to the sunshine Another chance. Soon you want the blues, you're doing twosies on another dish. She don't have to beg at all, she give it all away. Ran into a problem, things that turn on like a bird. She don't mean shit to me, why don't you understand?
myself to the sunshine. All right, Mark, I, I appreciate this. I'm glad we did this, and uh, good luck. Me too. Thank you, Baco. All right, have Take a good care, night, sir. man. All right, bye-bye.